0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show, in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom.
2: Hi, Heidi. Well, it's uh, really uh, interesting to be on the show, and I always love it when we're on with one of our authors, our Open to Hope authors, don't you?
1: Absolutely. And uh, Jean Ann Williams has written a lot of great articles, and she is going to be the person that we interview today. So please go to Open to Hope and read what she has written there, because she's She's contributed quite a bit, and it's it's great, Mom, because I mean we have thousands of articles on our site because we have amazing authors that write for us.
2: Yeah, it's it's really wonderful, and and that's one of the very special ones that does write for us. Well, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about who she is, Heidi, and then let's uh, get uh, some of her wisdom.
1: I will. And today we're going to talk. We're going to have a great show, and it's going to be about God's mercies after suicide. Uh, Jean Ann Williams published a book on suicide lost after her youngest son Joshua took his own life in 2004. God Mercies After Suicide, Blessings Woven Through a Mother's Heart is a devotional style memoir showing how God walked alongside her in the most difficult grieving journey of her life. Welcome to the show, Jean Ann.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: It's so great to have you on and you have taken on such a a difficult topic,
3: uh,
2: having a child die by suicide, and it's one that um, I think our society um, tends to avoid or feel. I mean, that's one of the biggies that they love to say to people: "Well, you never get over it, you know. You'll never this. You'll never that, and that kind of thing." And uh, and it's not about getting over it, is it? It's about walking. That's correct. So uh, talk about your son, first of all. Give us a little recap of who this kid was. He's an adorable guy. People go to your website, um, and we'll mention where they can find you. Um, you'll see a darling guy in his baseball uniform, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, Joshua was a surprise baby, and um, which we welcomed with open arms, but he was sick from, from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, At the age of two weeks, he started showing signs of a low immune system. And it started out with a lot of colds, uh, chest problems, fevers. And as he grew, it became ear infections, tonsillitis. He even got mononucleosis when he was only five.
1: Wow, that's really young for mono.
3: It is very young, and he almost died. Um, We actually had a very good doctor who said his spleen was so swollen that we had to make sure he stayed on the couch, because if he fell wrong on that spleen, it would kill him. Wow. Oh and so, um, yes, he was always very sick. The only time he was not sick, he t- when he turned 10 till he was almost 13, he seemed to feel better for those few years.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And hmm uh, But he was wanting to get a scholarship in baseball as a pitcher, and he was put on as pitcher in junior high, but he that's when we discovered that the the arthritis which we found out later is rheumatoid arthritis ankylosing spondylitis wow kicked in um because his wrists were starting to hurt from throwing a baseball oh my and so he had to quit his dream and then we found out when he was 15 that he indeed had ankylosing we got him diagnosed by a specialist who wrote the book on ankylosing. What's ankylosing?
1: In- it's something with uh, arthritis?
3: Yes, it's a rheumatoid arthritis.
1: And is this just and- genetic? I mean, he was so young to have arthritis, right? And he's, Well... Or do they uh, not know what, how people get it?
3: Well, he did know. The specialist explained to us that it was genetic. Mm-hmm. And so he said he knows for 100% sure that Josh has it. He, he took an x-ray and found out the one of Joshua's Um, hip bones was already fused and that he would eventually have uh, a fused back and neck
0: Hmm.
3: and he said that this is genetic so he says I'm 75% sure when he found out my husband's symptoms that he got it from my husband's side of the family and then he said he asked about my husband's father and my husband's father had arthritis so bad at 7 that he had to be carted around in a wagon Oh my goodness! walk Wow. and so the specialist said he doesn't have tests for this, but he can be pretty sure that that my husband's father had it fifty percent mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. so it was it's a genetic thing, and my other children have it too, but they don't have the extreme symptoms that Josh had
1: mhm
2: so Josh went through uh, life and with some difficulty and uh I know that there was something you said which was so sweet. You found his journal, and apparently you'd moved around a lot, and Mm -hmm. you felt like that had been difficult for him because I guess he wasn't able to connect. But then he said in the journal that he was happy you moved. I thought that was so sweet.
3: (laughs) Oh, I was so relieved that he had said that because we blamed ourselves thinking that moving made it worse, but it actually was a good thing. And we found that out within a week after he died. And so that was one less blame, you know, that we took upon ourselves. We were able to let it go. Now, how old was he when he died, and how did he die? Um, he died when he was 25, and he shot himself in the temple.
1: And and was he getting progressively worse health-wise before he died?
3: Oh, yes.
1: Okay, With, so what was happening at that point?
3: Well. He, when he was nineteen, he had to use a cane every now and then, mm-hmm. and he could no longer surf. Oh wow! Uh, the ocean and um, the ocean was probably good for him early on, right? The
2: water and
3: um it it was it was good early on, but he he just it was too dangerous because mm-hmm. his hip was fused, and we didn't mm. even know that then. Um, and he, so he couldn't. Get, he was just having too much pain, and the water bringing on the cold made it so much worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was even worse. Okay. Yes, and um, by the time he was nineteen, he got on disability because he had he had a, a nervous breakdown in college, and um, he ended up getting on disability. And but he did want to try to still figure out what is he going to do with his life. Mm-hmm. And he, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and I think he could have done it because Josh was a very intelligent, very driven person. He mm-hmm. was very hard on himself. And when he set out to do something, I don't remember him ever failing. If he decided to do it, then he did it. And But he, he came to me one day and said after he'd been diagnosed, I cannot have a medical record and be a Navy SEAL. Right. I cannot have a medical record and do the second thing, which he was thinking of as being an FBI agent. And so he started really thinking, and through the years he came up with, I could, when he was in a better state of mind, he admitted to me, I could be an attorney for the disabled people, and I could be in a wheelchair, and it would be okay.
1: Mm, Wow, that's so true. You know, when you
3: talk about him, it makes me want to smile. I mean he must oh, have he been, was amazing he must he have amazing. been really I didn't quite even the know character. how amazing he was until after he died when this, his friends would come up me, come up to me and tell me these stories <laughs> about li- life for Josh was black and white, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care who he's up against, if there was somebody like a like a woman was thinking about having an abortion. And he or her teacher had suggested she could have abortion, and he heard that as he's walking out of the classroom, went back in, got in the middle of him, and said, "Who are you to encourage this girl to kill her baby?" <laughs> that was my son,
2: so tell me um it's been you know I know you decided to write this book about how you got through and I know our audience is listening to this and you lost this sweet dear boy to suicide. How did you get through and when did you start writing and how did you come to terms with God?
3: Well, I never blamed God from the beginning because my faith was very strong. Um, I had been a, a believer for many years. And I think what, this is going to sound really weird and you may want to cut it out of the program, but I'm going to tell you what happened. Within an hour after Josh died, I was sitting on the couch. All the emergency people were there, and I write about this in the book. Um, and my daughter was kneeling on the floor by my, by my knee, and I was pretty hysterical at that point. I mean, I was, had really lost it, and I couldn't stop crying. And all of a sudden, I heard in my ear, now where is your God? And I'm telling you what, this is going to sound strange, but that scared me worse than holding my dead son. I ran to Jesus. I was too frightened to do anything else. So I think having that experience right away put me in a ground where I am going to believe in God no matter what happens, no matter how hard this is. I have to do this God's way.
2: So that made, that voice made you feel that you were being challenged by a force saying, yeah, let me see your God now. And you said, I will.
3: That's right. And I found out years later that that's actually in this Old Testament, that very, those very words. <laughs> and I went, whoa, I never read that before. So it, it and I'm not going to s- s- snowball this or color it. I didn't want to live for a very long time, but God was just there holding me up, hanging on to me. And I didn't want to disappoint him. I think that's the bottom line. I really didn't want to disappoint him in my journey of loss. And there was a lot of people that that helped me. I mean, when I got together with a lady from Compassionate Friends, she said, Jean, go straight through the middle of your grieving journey. Do not turn left and do not turn right. Do not avoid anything, and you will come out the other end with a gift. And she was right.
2: I love it, that. God I love gave that said go through it because there's no way to get around it.
3: There isn't. And the gift is that I have empathy that I never had before.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I have um, a willingness and a softer heart. Um, the downside it, part of it all is I can't handle loud music. I can't handle large crowds. I mean, there's things that I can't physically handle anymore, and I don't know if it's because... You know, we were there when he died, and I held him as he died. Um, I'm not real sure why that is. I don't have the nerves I used to have. <laughs> and and
2: how long has it been since he's been gone now?
3: It's going to be uh, 13 years on the 16th of this month of
2: March. And you wrote the book after five years. Did it take mm-hmm. you till then? How how was it writing a book? You'd written before articles and things.
3: Um, well, uh I had been working on another book that got published just before God's Mercies, so I was pretty familiar with how to write. i had been doing it for about 18 years. And um this book was very healing for me. It was very very easy to write it, the first draft. Mm-hmm. Um it was uh, sometimes I had to try to I had to pray through recalling some things I knew that were important, and I always got my recall back and was able to put it down. Um, when I actually last summer did the edits with my freelance editor, that was hard. We had to do like five different edits, and I just I, <laughs> I lost it a couple of times. It was pretty hard. It was like reliving it.
1: So, so Ann, because um, Joshua died by suicide, do you feel like you got enough support? Because I hear we hear people all the time that say. Because our loved one died by suicide, people kind of don't know what to say, and sometimes they don't say anything or they try to avoid us.
3: Well, number one, I never felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. That was not. I've heard people feel ashamed about their their child dying by suicide. I never even went there. I didn't feel ashamed of Josh. I knew how much he suffered. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like we, everywhere I went, I mean, there was times of real quiet in my life, but even strangers were super kind to me those first three to four years, and they didn't know what had happened in my life. I think I was in a protective shield that God had put around me. Yes, I did have people not want to talk about Joshua that were close family members because they were afraid to upset me. Right. And that was the one thing. I wanted to hear his name and I didn't get to hear his name enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And I lost a very, very dear friend of 10 years because she I guess she didn't know what to do for me. Um, That was really hard. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, I decided I needed some counseling, and so I called hospice, and they said that I could have 10 sessions of free. I qualified for 10 free sessions, and they matched me up with a very perfect person, and she was... She had lost several members to suicide. And so that was another point in my life where I felt very encouraged and and got the tools to help me to continue this grieving journey without Joshua.
1: I love that well, you, were, you were replaced with someone that was a good fit, don't you, Mom?
3: Yeah, I do too. And uh, tell
2: people how they can get your book because it's a really great book.
3: Well, um, they can get my book on Amazon. And under my name, Jean Ann Williams, or the title, and they can also go to Create a Space since this is I published this book myself. And they can go there to get the book.
2: Mm-hmm. And also tell them about your website, your blog. They can come to our site, Open to Hope, and find you, Jean Ann Williams, and read some of your articles. And then you also have your blog. Talk about that.
3: Yes, I have my blog. It is uh, joshua-mom.blogspot.com.
2: So since I was the curious. Blog, the only thing
3: th- they have to remember is joshua-mom.
2: Okay, joshua-mom. What kind of things? I mean, with this day and age of uh, the Internet, what kinds of things are you getting on your blog?
3: What ki- t- kinds of things am I getting comments. on my blog? Mm-hmm.
2: You get comments,
3: right? Or you Oh, just comments. Them? You know... Uh, my blog is not as active as it once was. Where I'm getting comments is the reviews for my book.
1: Yeah, I read a lot of those, and it's and people really... I love it. you don't have... You're very candid and opened about Joshua and also about the way he died because I think that it gives people other people permission to be open about their own loss. You're a really good role model, I think. And I was just wondering, what advice would you have for people out there who have had a child die by suicide and they don't really know if they want to survive at this point?
3: Well, some of this, some of the advice I would give is so simplistic. Um, The one thing that I did do, which is so very simplistic, is I made sure I ate comfort foods,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: dairy, chocolate, as healthy as you can get it. Because this is not this is the most horrific thing a parent can go through, um I was tempted to drink, but I did not do it. I never took any pills. I went through this raw, but I did have my iced tea <laughs> and my comfort foods, and i gained I gained some weight, but that was okay mm-hmm. um it was just to get me through you know those first few years um, also I People would say things like, "Think of your grandchildren." Well, you know, I didn't want to think of my grandchildren. They didn't. I did not need them like I needed Joshua. Mm-hmm. You know, people mean well when they say a few things, and you know, I wasn't angry about it, but it—it it wasn't. That's not what I wanted to hear.
1: What did you want to hear?
3: I wanted to hear, like one friend. You know what I wanted, and I finally mm-hmm. got it from a friend. I wanted somebody to cry with me,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and my friend cried. With me, she cried for Joshua and me. When I told my editor at a magazine that Joshua had shot himself, you know what she said? Hmm. She wrote me back and said, "Poor Joshua." Hmm. I loved that. Yeah, because he suffered. Mm-hmm. He suffered terribly all his life.
1: Yeah. Wow.
3: So I think what what people, even if. I think that you need to feel like there's somebody safe that you can go to. And I had that. I had several friends that, especially one, I would tell her, like, I'm listening, I'm hearing music in my head, and it won't go away. It's Beethoven, and I, I think I'm going crazy. And she stopped, and she looked off at the distance, and then she said, well, you know, we have to fill our minds with something, and classical music is soothing.
1: Uh, I like that.
3: Don't you, Mom? Yeah, that no, is. No, I think having people in your lives that... Like the one friend that left me, obviously that was a protection because she probably would have made things worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We need people to surround ourselves with people who really don't, maybe don't know how it is, but they are there to serve you, really, to serve you and comfort you.
1: And I love that she also, well, your one friend also normalized something for you. Rather than seeing it as something being going crazy, it was adaptive and it was your body doing its job.
3: Exactly. Which I love. <laughs> and I and I and I guess so what I'm saying to people who are suffering, don't be afraid to approach people that you trust and and tell them how you're feeling because you don't want to go crazy. I told the one lady from Compassionate Friends when we sat down at a park. I said, "I'm going to tell you something." I said, "I think I'm going insane." She looked at me, tilted her head and just nodded. She goes, that's going to pass. She goes, me and my husband felt the same way.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: This is early grief, and you yeah. are not going crazy.
2: And sometimes, I don't know how far down the road you were when that happened, but sometimes that happens in the second year when people yes, start I, feeling a little bit better.
3: Yes, it was. It was like after the shock buffer, things were very really realistic, realistic for me, and yes, you do feel that way. But... You know, you lose a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. You lose somebody you love very, very deeply, and they're not supposed to go before you. What else helped me a lot is reading about Mary in the Bible. Mm -hmm. She lost her son, and what about Eve? Mm -hmm. She lost her son. You know, that really helped me, and I read Job over and over and over again. For those of us who believe in the Scriptures, those things... Make a huge difference, and I also memorized a certain scripture about thinking on these good things. It's in Philippians. Mm-hmm. That's how I do got you wanna, through. Do you want to say that? Do you want? Do you
1: want to end with that, Jeananne Yes. Okay.
3: Oh, I <laughs> I don't have my Bible in front of me. <laughs> just a minute. <laughs> you can just give the gist. <laughs> but I must say, while I'm looking this up, that um, I almost didn't make it, and it's in the book. It just it I think you just have to come to the end of yourself, and that's what I did. I came to the end of myself,
1: well, that's good to know, so for those of you out there that are feeling like you've hit rock bottom, sometimes we have to get to that point from what I'm hearing with Jean Ann before we can start moving back into the light again and I would definitely suggest that you get her book, God's Mercies after Suicide: Blessings Woven Through a Mother's Heart jean did you find the scripture?
3: Yes, I did. It's Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things.
2: All right. Let's end with that. That's beautiful, and thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks, Jean-Anne.
2: Thank you. Well, Heidi, you know, one thing that really struck me that I loved about Jean-Anne, she's down the road a ways, and she was uh, being able to tell us those happy memories. And I just want everybody to know who's early bereaved that you don't forget them. I mean, look at Jean-Anne. She has all these wonderful things that come to her about her son, uh, Joshua. So, you know, uh, you do remember
1: Absolutely. I love that Jean-Anne is not afraid to, to be honest and candid about her journey. And you can really hear when she hit bottom, and then you can hear how she's moved back into a place of hope and joy. And I know that Joshua is her guiding light and leads the way for her.
2: Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening to this show today. And we want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless.